Hello and welcome to PathwayToHappiness.com. This is Gary Van Warmerdam with the Awareness and Consciousness Podcast. I'm going to talk principally about core belief systems today and somewhat how they affect our relationships and some elements that go into changing those core beliefs particularly and touch upon what an inventory is that we have to take in order to find out what we really believe that's behind the story. And uh, we'll cover an example today. You will also find on my website a whole audio program, 14 sessions, which are the actual exercises to make changes in your life. These podcasts, I cover background material, awareness, and things to be aware of. But to make the real changes in your life, that material is inside an audio program. And a number of those sessions are free to test drive and see if you want to buy the rest of the program. For me, this is the way to make real change in how we feel, to make real changes in our relationships, to really enhance the emotional quality of our life. It's about really taking the action to inventory and change our core beliefs, as opposed to dressing things up with pretty affirmations or nice self-help sayings and what I see a lot out there is uh, fluff. It's uh, pretty dressing. And you read through the internet and there's wonderful articles, um, all giving great advice about very problematic issues such as things like jealousy or insecurity. And the advice or the suggestions are very often suggestions about what not to do. Don't engage in these sabotaging behaviors. Don't be judgmental, let go of your anger, don't get frustrated, don't be controlling. It talks about how these sabotage our relationships or our emotional well-being or our career. You can find a list of things you should be doing, which is to let it go, let that emotion go, um, respect other people's choices, give up being right, and the list goes on. What our mind does with this information, though, without actually changing the core beliefs, is put in there a whole list, a whole criteria of expectations on ourselves about what we should do, how we should be, and a whole list of criteria of all the things we shouldn't do and shouldn't be that the inner voice in our head can then judge ourselves against. And now we know that we're not supposed to be. We recognize when we do it, and we judge ourselves for doing it. And so not only do we have the initial behavior, now we have the reactionary behavior, which is the self-judgment for doing this thing that all the books we read tell us we shouldn't be doing. And the conclusion we draw is that we're an extra big failure. And this is the result of what a lot of nice self-help fluff teachings are creating. Because as far as I'm concerned, they don't address the real core beliefs that are driving the behavior that are driving the emotional reactions, whether it's insecurity or drama in relationship and anger, frustration, jealousy. Those issues aren't being met by these suggestions of what we should be and what we shouldn't be. So where are these real core beliefs? And how do we change them? So I'll share with you an example I came across recently a very fine gentleman, and for the sake of the discussion, we'll call him Howard, because I like to change the names to protect the guilty. 
And Howard's a great guy. He's an upstanding dad, couple children, grown children. Situation with Howard that he wanted to change was he's particularly frustrated with his son, his son's late 20s, living on his own, bought a house, providing for himself, previously went through a bankruptcy because he apparently didn't manage his money that well. Parents helped him out a little bit. And now Howard's seeing his son apparently do some of the same poor financial management behaviors that he saw previously. He's pretty frustrated, and he's angry even with his son. And he tries to suggest, tries to persuade his son, tries to educate his son about managing money and controlling spending. But he can't get his son to listen. And Howard's suggestions just seems to anger his son and just be a detriment to their relationship. So, to me, that's the surface story. And the frustration and anger is a surface-level symptom. And first of all, I like to dig a lot deeper into what's going on. So I do a series of inquiry questions into what are all the thoughts through Howard's head? What does he think to himself when he's alone thinking about the situation? What's all the dialogue that he runs? And inside that dialogue, generally, are clues to what he really believes. And as I asked him these questions about what does he feel, what does he feel about himself, what are the thoughts that run through his head, I break it down into all the little parts. And some of them are natural, instinctual, emotional feelings that a parent's going to have for their child. Sees the child running towards financial ruin, not able to provide for himself financially, which in this society is the equivalent to not surviving. And for a parent, that is instinctual to care for their own children's survival and to fear for their not being able to survive on their own. That's a parent's natural instinct. Go look after their young, even if they're 26, 28 years old. But one of the clues I got in a few minutes of conversation with Howard was he was really frustrated and being a very successful guy, was looking to himself, what can I do to make him see this? And why can't I get him to see what he's doing? Well, right there in that one line is a whole structure of story. Why can't I get him to see what he's doing? If we look at the style of that story is, if I did the right thing, I could get him to understand his behavior and the consequences to it. But since I'm not doing the right thing, I am therefore doing the wrong thing. That there is some failure on my part in communicating to my son. And behind that story of why can't I get him to sense of self-judgment, self-criticism, feeling like a failure, is a whole picture of what Howard has about himself. And so I dug into that part of the story a little more. And I asked him, Howard, what is it that you want your son to do? How do you want him to handle this money? And I started to dig into that. And there was a whole list about how much money he should make, what kind of house he should be living in, how much he should be saving, even down to the cleanliness and the tidiness of the home. That was an expectation for his son. Did Howard know that he had these expectations? Absolutely not. They were buried in his subconscious beliefs. And we pulled them out and we put them on a page in front of the room. 
and says, this is what you believe your son should be. He's like, yeah. He didn't know it five minutes before. But there was his inventory of beliefs about what his son should be. And it wasn't over the top. It was reasonable. You know, a small percentage of his income and savings. Things like that. Paying for his own health insurance. This isn't unreasonable. But the part that was really out of control was in Howard's mind and in Howard's belief system. You see, because if the son didn't adopt these expectations that were in Howard's mind, and the son didn't know that they actually existed in any place, because they only existed in Howard's mind, but if the son didn't live those out, the son was a failure, he was a disappointment, and Dad was disappointed and hurt by that. And part of wanting to change that is to persuade, encourage the son to take better action, and that's the carrot approach, or punish the son with anger and get his financial house in order. Because anger is one of those controlling mechanisms we engage in in relationships to try and get another person to be what we want them to be. And so anger was a tool Howard was using to modify his son's behavior. It wasn't working. But Howard wasn't used to using a different tool. It's the one he was used to for years when encouragement and carrots didn't work. <clears throat> so that looks like the crux of the frustration. Except there's that part in the story where Howard's looking at himself going, why can't I get him to see this? Which indicates something's wrong with me. And so I'm asking Howard, how do you feel that you can't get him to see this? He's like, I feel like a failure. Click. The emotion tells the story. And we dig a little deeper and we find out that what Howard believes about himself as a father is based upon how well his son does financially. If he can get his son to do well financially and take care of himself and be responsible with money, he will have successfully taught his son. And if his son doesn't do that, it's not only bad for the son, it means Howard has failed as a father. Failed as a father is one category of I'm not good enough, self-judgment, beliefs about oneself. And if Howard has a belief that he's not good enough based on what somebody else does or doesn't do, namely his son, well, then he would certainly want his son to perform better in order so that Howard can feel good about himself. There's an interesting way to look at it. As long as his son is not managing money very well, Howard cannot feel good about himself. He feels less than. And that's emotionally painful. Of course, in Howard's belief system, it is his son's fault that he feels terrible. It is because his son doesn't meet these expectations. It's not that Howard says this to himself. It is that Howard feels this and thinks, if my son wouldn't do this, I wouldn't be so angry and frustrated. Which is saying, my son is controlling my emotions. So now, Howard doesn't know this consciously, but the belief systems are wired this way. 
because the belief system says, oh, if my son just got his act together, I'd feel so much better. Which is to say, my emotions are dependent on what he does. That's part of the belief structure. If you say it out loud like that and expose it, you're like, wow, my happiness, my sense of feeling good enough, which is also how lovable and worthy I am, is dependent on what someone else does. And what someone else does is judge based on this criteria of expectation I have for them of what they should be that I'm not even aware of. So that's what's going on in the mind in the belief system that's driving a behavior that's pushing Howard to, A, feel better about himself. And the way he gets to feel better is to be a success, be worthy as a dad. And the way that happens is to change his son's behavior based on the expectations he's built up in his mind. If he can get his son to fit the expectations, he's a success as a dad. He creates a different self-image of himself as worthy and lovable. And that will change his emotional state, and he'll feel better. That's a hell of a criteria. To have to control the people around you, particularly the people you love, to get them to fit the set of expectations you have in the back of your mind, so that you can then build an image in your mind of, as a success, that you can then express love to that image, and then in the expression of that love, you get to feel better. But that was Howard's game. Actually, not so much really Howard's game, but the game that the belief structure in his mind had set up that he had to follow that was driving his behavior, creating anger and frustration in his relationship with his son. And that whole structure of beliefs was hidden behind the stories he told himself. Because he didn't tell himself what the beliefs were. He told himself and had things going on in his mind and internal dialogue such as, why can't I get him to see what he's doing? Said with a tone of judgment and victimization about himself. But when you see the expectation kind of laid out clearly, you then have a choice like, okay, Maybe I'll modify my expectation instead of trying to modify my grown son. Because the frustration is created through the disparity between the expectation of someone and the reality of what they're doing. Well, it's harder to change a person, but it's easier to change the expectation. If you're interested in changing the emotional state of your relationships with someone, instead of trying to change them, what if you change your expectation or the belief system you have in your mind about them or about yourself that might be related to them? There's an opportunity to feel better without having to control other people to do it. The key to changing those beliefs. First step, you have to be aware that they're there. If you're not aware that that's part of the emotional creation process. Then you're going to try and change other people instead of really look at those beliefs and change them. You get foiled in a misdirection play of them saying, oh, it's they that are making me unhappy or they that disappoint me. And not recognizing that that is predicated on first having an 
expectation within our belief system. If you didn't have those expectations, wouldn't have that problem of being disappointed. Next element is in changing that belief system. Those stories, the internal dialogue in your mind, and specifically the beliefs that are behind that dialogue. Becoming aware of what you believe is only part of it. The real effective shift of those beliefs happens when you change your point of view. See, a lot of people will see those beliefs and say, oh, well, let them go or respect his choices and give you all those nice self-help answers. Give up being right or let go of being angry. They give you the self-help answers. But as long as you're still in that judge and victim point of view, now you have that nice new self-help belief paradigm to judge yourself with about what you should be doing instead. So the self-help doesn't help because the internal dialogue in your mind uses it as self-judgment and self-victimization instead of help. What really helps is a shift in point of view out of judgment, out of victimization about what you're doing. It's a recognition. Okay, this is what I'm doing, and this is the belief system part of it, and a sense of responsibility, an empowering sense of responsibility, by the way. The real key is to do it with a point of view that's without the judgment of what I should and shouldn't be doing, or the judgment of what they should or shouldn't be doing, and the victimization that comes as a result of that judgment. When you shift that point of view out of a victim paradigm and out of a judgment perspective, you no longer hold on to those expectations. You no longer hold on to those beliefs. You no longer hold on to blame. And the whole story falls apart. And there's no symptom of frustration and anger because there's no sense of victimization. And there's no need for someone else to do something in order for you to feel good. You find out that that's their life, and you're living your life. And you no longer try to do the impossible of impose your will on someone else to control their life, even if it's better for them, according to your point of view. So in this scenario with Howard, does realizing this all of a sudden make the whole emotion go away? In some cases it can but it at least simplifies the condition and simplifies the relationship. Howard's self-image that he holds in his imagination of who he is as a father and the value he places on that and therefore the love and acceptance he has for himself is no longer dependent on his 20-something-year-old son doing in his own house and how neat he keeps it. And when you become aware of that set of associations in the mind, and you see, it's kind of nonsense to create a self-image in your mind of what you are and how lovable and how much value you have as a person based on what another person living in another house that you have no control over is doing. When you see the nonsense of that, that the mind, through its related beliefs, is creating, you stop believing it. And the emotional dynamic starts to fall apart. And for Howard, that means immediately he no longer has such a great need to change his son's behavior. How he feels about himself, his self-acceptance, is no longer dependent on what his son does or doesn't do. 
And because he no longer has to control his son, he doesn't need to use the emotion of anger in that relationship. He doesn't have to get his point across. His relationship is no longer fixated on that issue. And so now without that emotional dynamic of anger that comes out of a need to control or frustration, those two individuals have a chance to open up a different communication with a completely different quality of emotion. And if you go back to the podcast I did on emotional reactions and listen to that, you'll find out that that changes the whole emotional field that both of them live in, strictly because Howard modified just some of his core beliefs. So that's the game. And that's a brief intro into how belief structures formulate our emotional reactions. And if you really want to change your emotional reactions and the quality of emotion in relationship, identify and change these agreements. And in order to identify and really change those agreements, you're going to have to do a critical step that probably isn't really taught out there as far as I've seen in the self-help programs, is to very consciously change your point of view. And there's a number of exercises on my audio program on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com, that walks you through how to change your point of view. And if you're more serious about exploring your thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and those dynamics, and making changes in those areas, really getting down to the core beliefs which drive the whole thing, please check out my self-mastery course on my website, pathwaytohappiness.com. The first few sessions there are free. Try it and see if those exercises are, are practical and effective for you. And there's also my book, MindWorks, the very practical exercises and a very in-depth explanation of how to address these very issues as well. Thank you very much. This is Gary Van Warmerdam from pathwaytohappiness.com.